Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint and you are listening to the Bad Astrologers Podcast. Now this episode is going to be a little different than usual. We had a lovely interview all ready to go and uh, turns out we had some technical difficulties with the recording so we are fixing that up now but I feel like that was a message from the universe that uh, this topic needed to be discussed. I didn't want to do this episode, but I kept getting emails and text messages and tweets asking about it, and so here we are. We're going to talk about the astrology of coronavirus, how did it happen, what is going to happen next in the very near future, and what can we do now in this bad timeline? <laughs> um, I hope this can be of help. I really wanted to, on some level, put something out there to offset a few of the things I had been seeing in the astrology community. You know, I think anytime there's a big world event, there's a lot of folks who want to come out of the woodwork and almost like claim that or to justify their existence and say, um, I was the one who predicted this. And uh, my goodness, I, I wish something like this had never happened. Um, I think uh, it's pretty not a great idea to be that uh, dark in your predictions, although it is important to be realistic and clear in the things that you say. Um, so we will be talking about some of the tough stuff for sure, um, some of the parallels to uh, more challenging political events over the years that uh, this does share. Uh, but we are also going to have some fun. We're going to have um, some advice on what parts of your chart can help you get through this and get back to some semblance of normal. Um, my life is far from normal right now. I'm safe, uh, but I've been cooped up in the apartment for a while. I, I am at uh, lip synced all of Hamilton um, level of quarantine, so I don't know how you're doing. Hopefully better than that. But anyways, let's talk about it. So first off, how did this happen? Uh, where did this uh, whole pandemic thing come from? Um, most people on Twitter are already talking about Saturn conjunct Pluto, uh, which happened on January 12th. Uh, this is a big, big deal. Um, we talked about it in our 2020 forecast. We talked about it in our very first bonus episode. Um, and I'm going to talk about it again because it's very important. Um, Saturn and Pluto are both big, heavy-hitting planets that have a lot of intensity to them. Um, so when you align them, it's like a pressure cooker. Um, things get really overwhelming really, really quick. Um, Saturn traditionally is one of the malefic planets, which means it's, uh, you know, according to the medieval astrologers, bad, right? And it's easy to see why. Um, when you look at the keywords and actions that Saturn brings on, you're looking at restriction and discipline and even isolation and um, challenges, delays, Things that maybe over time can give you a positive result, you know, hard work, responsibility, um, but don't usually feel great in the moment. Saturn can have sort of a wet blanket kind of effect on whatever it touches um, in the moment that you're experiencing it. You know, I am kind of a fan of Saturn. I, 
I think that Saturn transits can actually be quite good. I am not one of the folks who is out there saying your Saturn return is going to be horrible. Um, Saturn transits can be very positive, but that doesn't mean that the raw energy of it is not difficult to deal with. And that is what we had here um, on January 12th, which was around the time when the virus was sort of first surfaced in, um, in Asia. So Saturn on top of Pluto. Pluto is an interesting planet or uh, body in astrology. I guess it's technically not a planet anymore. Um, I've noticed a trend on uh, the astrology uh, online community that Pluto is getting talked about less and less, which I, I'm intrigued by that. Um, I'm not against it or for it. I'm more just observing something that I find to be curious. Um, Pluto is something that I have found to be an incredibly powerful force in the chart, um, but it's not one of the seven sort of visible planets in the sky. Um, and since we're seeing a overall shift towards more traditional styles of astrology, like Hellenistic astrology um, and medieval astrology, and generally wanting to ground our astrology more in history, which is a very Saturn and Capricorn thing to do, and I'm very for that. Um, I think Pluto has kind of taken a backseat. But in order to really understand where coronavirus came from, we have to dig into Pluto. Um, Pluto means a lot of different things, obviously named for the Roman god of the underworld, and so rules both hidden things um, and also sources of power. Um, institutions and structures that have a lot of control. Um, it can have a sort of obsessive um, controlling effect whenever it's uh, transiting something else. Um, so Pluto can also be upheaval and overhaul, like massive changes. If you're having a Pluto transit right now, maybe across your ascendant or on your sun, you're definitely... Um, no stranger to the destructive energy of Pluto. It kind of reminds me of Kali, um, the Hindu destroyer goddess, with her tongue lolling out and, um, you know, curved sword waving in the air, blood everywhere, just completely enjoying this process of destruction. That is very much how Pluto works. Um, you know, I feel like Saturn conjunct Pluto to extend that metaphor is an ego death. Um, and as mystics and astrologers and spiritual seekers, I think people think about that phrase ego death and are like, yeah, that's totally something that I want to do. It sounds awesome. Sign me up. And it's it's not awesome. It's very uncomfortable um, letting go of, of your very essence is extremely painful and challenging and frightening. Um, and the fact that this is happening on a whole, not even a societal level, because that implies like one society, but on a worldwide scale is completely overwhelming and terrifying. We are all so scared, right? Um, if Saturn is authority um, in, in traditional uh, structures of government and the rules that keep things, you know, the, the passage of time and law going forward, and Pluto is upheaval and change, like, when this happens, we always see large institutions either take a hit or new ones are formed. So I did a little research um, and found some very curious examples, um, a couple specific to 
um, Saturn conjunct Pluto in Capricorn. So in 1284, the Venetian Republic minted the ducat, which was used as currency for hundreds of years to come. Um, and then when Saturn conjuncted with Pluto in Taurus um, in 1914, the U.S. Federal Reserve was opened. Um, so I, I think that is, those are both examples of um, large institutions um, and obviously earth signs are associated with money and material things, um, being made. They sort of, uh, the, the old way had to die and, and these new structures emerged from that. Um, also in 1517 and 1518, um, there was another, uh, Saturn conjunct Pluto alignment in Capricorn. And we saw then Martin Luther nailing his theses to, the church door starting the Protestant Revolution, uh, Reformation. What am I talking about? Protestant Reformation. And also, um, even before that, the African slave trade began under this as well. And while it's very sad and um, scary to discuss, um, I, I felt like it was a relevant um, institution that sort of came up and uh, hung on for, for far longer than it should have and caused great damage to uh, the, the world and, and all the people in it. Um, also, I, I have heard going around um, on the internet about uh, AIDS sort of coming up during a Saturn-Pluto conjunction. That is true. Um, during the most recent Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 1982, the term AIDS was coined. Um, it wasn't necessarily when the disease was discovered, but it was um, when they came up with that particular name. And I know that's not the name that we use for it anymore. It's HIV. Um, but it did sort of signal a shift in, in language and cultural consciousness around um, that particular virus. Um, but I want to say, while I'm talking about these things, you know, I am not sure that I believe how helpful it is to look back and relive culturally and worldwide psychic trauma um, to try to justify a transit. You know, I, I wanted to put these things out there to make them clear and, you know, dispel myth from, from legend and, um, you know, give us some... I think it can be a way for people to heal. You know, I think the things that we see in astrology are people trying to understand the current cultural moment and circumstances. And it seems impossible. It seems like, how could we ever understand something like this happening and hurting so many and just hurting the, the whole world? It, not just, you know, economically, but the emotional weight of um, the, the death toll, obviously, and the the emotional uh, toll of having to stay in our homes and not be as close with the people that we love. So I think I, I bring these things up to hopefully spur some kind of collective healing and validate those feelings of sadness. Um, because this is a very hard time. And, and, you know, many astrologers have talked about 2020 as a difficult year for a long time. Um, so, so know that it, it, it is not great. Um, it, it is a time of struggle and pain, um, but know that this is definitely going to be the darkest part of the podcast. So you're going to see how things will um, look up and start getting better over time. And, and it's not going to be a, we're going to snap our fingers and manifest a better world overnight. 
Um, it's going to be a, a slow, slow burn. But it is going to, I think, get better. It may not ever go back to the way it was before. In fact, I don't think it will. Um, but it, we're going to get through it together. I promise. Okay, so Saturn conjunct Pluto on January 12th in Capricorn was really the moment that brought this to the fore. Um, we saw it come to uh, the public eye. Um, it was intensified by Mars conjunct Jupiter in Capricorn on March 20th, which was also the equinox. Um, so that's a lot of energy too. So it was treading the exact same ground, same degrees as the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, and this was when we started to see things in the news get really dire with the shutdowns and such. Although the shutdowns are very, very good. I hope that you are listening to this podcast from the comfort of your home or another inside place where you're not around other people. Um, so traditionally, Mars is a, another malefic planet. Um, and Jupiter, we've talked about on this podcast plenty of times, expands anything it touches. So you can kind of use your imagination that, you know, I think uh, Jupiter and Mars uh, exaggerate, it just brought out the worst in each other, right? It, it, it exaggerated the um, stress and, and the fears, and it did lead to this sort of like pandemonium type situation. Um, even though those fears are very, very much founded, I think that it caused the, the mass panic to sort of spike on this um, incredible scale. Um, in addition to that, the Neptune influenced Mercury retrograde and mostly Pisces that we've talked about on this podcast before happening from February 16th to March 9th, just before everything kind of broke, did not do us any favors at all. Um, Pisces, as a sign, is associated with the 12th house of the horoscope, which is, uh, it has to do with confinement and isolation, and the usual image that I think of with that is like a, a nun or a monk sequestered in a convent, um, but I guess self-isolation <laughs> falls under Pisces' domain too, right? Um, Pisces and Neptune both are very watery and don't have great boundaries and therefore reflect infection or contagion. Um, but again, I think when we're looking to predict something or looking to see what may happen, you know, I'm not a mundane astrologer. Um, I, I look to see what there is, but I definitely prefer more of the um, interpersonal, mythic side of things. Um, but well, when we're looking at stuff, I, I think that we as uh, practitioners have a responsibility to both tell the truth, but also not stoke unnecessary fear. So, you know, there's thousands of meanings of Pisces. The first thing with Pisces, Pisces, Mercury retrograde. If I'm talking to a client, I'm not going to say, um, yeah, global pandemic, this is definitely what it's going to be. I think we were all a little surprised um, and, and, and dismayed to see the way that Saturn and Pluto uh, together manifested. But um, so back on the Mercury retrograde and Pisces thing, um, I mentioned in my forecast for this podcast that, um, you know, Mercury and Pisces, unfortunately, can be a liar. Um, he can be a, a deceiver and also stoke confusion. And I think that is where we saw, you know, with the I mean, everywhere, literally everywhere, on social media, on the news, just the misinformation campaign, especially being led by our country, the United States, um, was just 
truly unbelievable. Um, and, and I'm sure that that made it so much worse. And I think that we aren't going to have things be totally clear until after Mercury clears its shadow period on the 30th of March, which is um, not that long from now. So hopefully then we'll get more information with any luck. Um, I'm going to take a quick drink of water. This, this is a lot. So the real secret here that I'm not seeing people talk about as much with respect to where the fuck did coronavirus come from is Uranus and Taurus. Um, so Uranus in Taurus, we had a little brief period of it in mid-2018, and then it started properly last year in spring of 2019. Um, so Uranus is the planet of revolution and surprise and big changes and innovations. Um, and in Taurus, the sign of material things, money, and commodities, um, I think a lot of folks were predicting um commodity shortages, changes uh, to supply lines, um, big changes to commerce. Um, so this definitely falls in line with that. Um, when I think about the pictures of the Whole Foods, I have like um, no food in them or, you know, no toilet paper, no nothing, no, you know, ladies fighting each other for the last hand sanitizer. That's the, a real thing that I saw. I was very apocalyptic. Um, that's a very Uranus and Taurus thing. Um, like Saturn, I am also a fan of Uranus. I am biased because I have both Saturn and Uranus in my first house. Um, so I probably just, uh, give them too much leeway, but I think that Uranus, can be a bright spot in this situation because Uranus is all about not doing things the way you did them five minutes ago. It's about saying, fuck the status quo. We're not okay with the way things are. Things have to change. It's like the Bernie Sanders of like, we're coming in, we need to change it all. And yeah, it's great. We love to see it. Um, so Uranus and Taurus, I had kind of expected, my thing was like, I feel like by the end of Uranus and Taurus, so Uranus uh, transits a sign over the course of seven years. So this is not like an overnight thing. It's going to be a gradual shift. And now that we've had it for about a year, we're starting to see, okay, we get what this is going to be about. So um, Uranus was in Taurus from 1934 to 1941, which really shaped the generation of the Great Depression. Um, that's another thing that people are just like stoking tons of fear about um, online, but that is something that is true. Um, Pluto, though, was also in Taurus for the Great Depression, which added to the effect. You, you see how Saturn and Pluto together turned out like way different than just Saturn in a sign and was like way more intense. Um, so Uranus and Pluto together um, led to this like very overwhelming economic decline uh, in the United States. But what I'm hoping and uh, what I'm going to share with you in a minute is that I, I think that there are other transits going on that are going to save it from being just like the total coming in and taking the wrecking ball to everything. Um, I will say the thing with Uranus and Taurus, and I think the crux of this whole experience for all of us is redefining what's valuable, right? I don't know about you, but I think about what's valuable in 
a completely different way than I did two or three weeks ago, right? Like, do we want a $100 candle or a 12 back of toilet paper, right? <laughs> do you want like a new dress or do you want um, grits that can feed you for the next week? Um, I mean, I personally would love to have both and I'm all about continuing to enjoy certain indulgences and luxuries, even as things are crazy all around you. But you get the idea. Um, you know, Taurus, the word really is value. And so learning to clarify what's valuable to you and not just the physical commodities. Um, I think this experience is also clarifying to us what relationships and interactions are valuable how valuable our work is to us, right? So we've been like ejected from everything. Um, and I think now we can have perspective and look and see um, what of those things we really desire. What, what do we want to remain connected with? So I think that over time, when we look back, once Uranus goes into Gemini, which feels like an age from now, um, we'll see this as a time when we really got clear on what we wanted. So speaking of Uranus and Taurus, I wanted to bring up that, so when we look forward to the future, you know, I'm going to talk about the near future in just a second, but when we look to like the further future, I'm really excited about Saturn square Uranus, which is going to happen throughout all of 2021 off and on. So Saturn in Aquarius square Uranus and Taurus. Um, it's going to restructure society, but not without tearing down what isn't working first, which seems to be most things at this point, right? Um, so you have the, the structured, responsible aspects of Saturn um, squaring off with that sort of, I, I want massive change, I'm ready for the revolution, Uranus. Um, and I think that this is actually going to be quite lovely because Uranus is in Aquarius, um, I'm sorry, Saturn is in Aquarius, which is ruled by Uranus. Sometimes when you've been doing astrology all day, the planets all go together and it gets weird. <laughs> you understand. So yeah, Saturn is going to be in Aquarius while it's um, squaring off with Uranus, which is cool because Uranus rules Aquarius. So it gives it like a little extra emphasis and makes it more amenable to making the kinds of changes that um, Uranus would ask, like, um, I think that Saturn and Aquarius is going to be a lot about, I don't know, changing everything, right? But using, particularly using technology to alter the way that we interact socially or just generally inventing new ways of going about things. I think there will be, you know, since it's an air sign versus an earth sign, there'll be a lot of tension between um, what we do in the physical world versus our ideas and, and where those things kind of line. So um, looking at Saturn square Uranus, I actually think it's going to be really cool. Um, when I looked back at the years that had this, um, instead of trying to analyze all the events in each of those years, which kind of blur together, I looked at the films and the music that came out in those years. So the last time this happened was 1999 which was one of my favorite years. I had my um, 10th birthday party and it was great. It was a pizza party and we listened to the Spice Girls and uh, I, I 
think that I wore like a velour shirt from the limited two and like little butterfly clips, which I think are coming back now. Like I think I finally reached a time when uh, styles are coming, starting to come back around. Don't bring back the low rise pants though. I won't do it. <laughs> so the point is 1999 uh, and 2021 are going to have similar vibes. So when we think about 1999, we had the Matrix, Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, Ice Wide Shut, Office Space, and unfortunately, The Phantom Menace. Um, and as far as the music, we had The Divas, we had Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, Destiny's Child, Backstreet Boys, uh, boy bands were the thing. Eminem released Hi My Name Is, um, terrifying PTA presidents everywhere and making all the rest of us very happy. And maybe, unfortunately, the Red Hot Chili Peppers (laughs) released Scar Tissue, uh, and it was played at every neighborhood pool everywhere, probably in the world. Um, That was also the year that Bill Clinton did not have sex with that woman. Um, it was a really different time. Um, but when I look at all of those things, I was thinking about how they had a lot of the same both aesthetic and anxieties that we have now. Um, I don't know how old you are if you're listening to this, but Y2K, uh, was a thing that so many people were really afraid of. Um, I don't know that much about it, I'll be honest, but it was the idea that once the new millennium started in the following year, um, we would, all of the computers would go to all zeros and it would totally fuck everything up and the world would collapse. And so people had closets full of like canned food and stuff to make sure that if this collapse did happen, um, you know, we wouldn't be completely shit out of luck. Um, But, you know, in some weird way, like, I kind of feel like this is nothing like that because this is a very, very real visceral moment. But I think that feeling of just that underlying feeling of fear that, like, something's coming and you're not sure what it is and you were hoping it would be good, but you kind of think it might be bad. Like, that's that's a mood. Um, And The Matrix is such, you know, that sort of sci-fi... fear that that stoked. I I think we're feeling a little bit of that now. But that that film also changed the way so many people look at um, so many things, the way that we um, relate to each other digitally versus in person, right? Like, it it feels very relevant to me. And, you know, everything had that very, like, digitized, um, holographic sheen to it. I'm thinking of, like, the lip, this, I don't know, I guess, like, 2021 is the year of lip gloss. Lip gloss is going to come back. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but I'm just trying to give you some hope that the future might, like, we may have already experienced some anxieties similar in the past, and the future might also have some comforts that we used to be accustomed to. Um, Another year that had Saturn Square Uranus was 1977, um, which I think is cool because that had uh, Star Wars A New Hope came out and Close Encounters of a Third Kind, obviously by Spielberg. Um, So the sci-fi vibe is very, very real. And I think as we um, assess the landscape of what's happened, uh, I think we're all in agreement that the way things currently are is not not enough, not remotely enough. And so um, I guess my hope would be that we can completely put everything on the table and open up our minds to inventing brand new ways of um, going about stuff. And, you know, 
maybe, just maybe, um, but we'll find our way. I don't know. Star Trek Picard is on the air right now, and that feels very right. Like, it feels um, fearful in a way, but also hopeful. Uh, can't recommend it enough. So you get the idea. Um, in, in the future future, Saturn square uh, Uranus is going to really define what's going on. But before that happens, that's a long time from now. You're probably wondering, like, what's going to happen in the next couple of months? What do I do next in the immediate future? Um, so here's what's going to change. Here's what you can expect. Um, I'm very intrigued because over the rest of 2020, there's actually quite a lot of action in the sign of Gemini. Um, this feels very relevant because Gemini is the sign of communication, um, of connection, the, the, the ways that we connect with each other. Um, it can be related to technology. Um, it's related to friendship and communities. It's also related to um, travel, traveling like a short distance domestically or maybe within states or provinces, depending on where you live. Um, and that is really the thing that the coronavirus has thrown into question the most, right? Um, and we've had to respond very quickly um, and, and perhaps erratically, just like everybody suddenly having all their like hangouts on Zoom, I guess, or all their work meetings on Skype. Um, but as planets transit through Gemini, we're going to get more clarity and we're going to find our footing on how do we connect with each other as this pandemic plays out, right? Um, so the first piece of that is going to happen on May 5th. That's when the North Node is going to enter Gemini. So the lunar nodes are points where the moon intersects the ecliptic, which is the sun's path through the sky. Um, but astrologically, um, the lunar nodes are points that have to do with destiny and fate, Right. I mean, all of astrology is about destiny and fate. I get it. Um, but those particularly um, have to do with destiny and fate. So the North Node is about what is best for you as an individual, for society. If you believe in having a purpose, it can be your purpose. Um, it's if you believe in, you know, having a highest good, it, it's that. To me, the North Node is what you should be striving for. It's kind of the best you can do, right? Um, so I think with the North Node and Gemini, I think we really are at our best when we're putting our energy into finding new ways to connect, no matter what the circumstances. Um, I did want to mention, somebody asked me about this, there has been hype about right now, the North Node being at the same degree it was during 9-11. And they wanted to know, is that a thing? Um, does it matter? I guess, kind of, but I think it's reaching. Um, so to be specific, the North Node was at three degrees cancer um, during 9-11. It was significant for America, a cancer nation, obviously, July 4th is our country's birthday. And it led to this sort of surge in the themes of home and security, which are very cancer, like the literal founding of the Department of Homeland Security. Um, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that we need to worry that much. I think it would be, um, frankly, unethical and 
um, irresponsible to <laughs> predict another 9-11 and looking at, you know, when I looked at that chart, there are other things in play. I think it's a bit reaching to say that, oh, the North Node, three degrees of cancer caused 9-11 or something. No way. But I will say this. So I'm more curious about what happens, what happened after 9-11 when the North Node moved into Gemini right? Like it's going to do here in just a few short weeks. Um, those of us who remember traveling on airplanes and such before 9-11, I mean, it was a totally different world. And, you know, things really haven't, uh, you know, they've gotten better uh, with, you know, certain structures, depending on um, what your country of origin is. Um, but I think that the way that we interact with the airport as a place um, has fundamentally changed. Um, and I think that this pandemic may have a similar effect in that way. I'm not saying that I know how it will impact domestic or short distance travel um, or how we connect with each other, but I do think that that's an interesting parallel to look at. Um, you know, obviously there were many, many more restrictions on travel after that. Um, but what I'm hoping, you know, always trying to look at the bright side is that um, the North Node in Gemini will help us look to our local communities um, and, and maybe use our technology to find sources of, of comfort and strength. Um, for example, I live in South Carolina and um, I was my husband and I went and walked around the block and the people in our neighborhood have lovely porches with pretty lights on them and it's very, um, lots of flowers and smells good outside and everyone's kind of sitting on their porches like with trepidation, like sipping wine or beer and just like looking out and we're all just kind of like yelling at each other, the requisite like 10 feet apart or from the sidewalk to the porch. Um, but it has been, you know, that was kind of a really lovely, if painful way to still connect with other people during this weird time. So, you know, it's also been, I know we're all having a lot more Zoom calls, having a lot more FaceTime moments with the people that we love. So I think we'll probably see more of that too. So um, the next Gemini thing that I think is going to impact the vibe is Venus retrograde in Gemini. Um, that's going to be from May 13th to July 25th. It's going to go from 21 degrees Gemini to 5 degrees Gemini. So if you have planets or points of your chart there, or um, you have uh, 21 to 5 degrees of immutable sign in your chart, this is going to affect you especially. So Venus retrograde stations squared in Neptune. So the vibe has echoes of March's Mercury retrograde, which we already talked about, which stationed on Neptune. Um, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I think there are some people that do Venus and Neptune together wonderfully, but for the most part, Venus and Neptune really don't play well together because they both have this urge to merge, right? And this urge to see things in the most beautiful, ideal light. They they want life to be like, you know, like the movie where every, like, you know, there's like perfect lighting and nothing untoward ever, like things just play out perfectly and there's never any conflict. Um, I'm kind of calling this Venus retrograde the siren song um, because I feel like it can be 
being tempted back into old patterns of communication that they weren't working out before all this happened and they're especially not going to work out good now. Um, but you are looking back and you are a nostalgic for and romanticizing the way things used to be. And you're like, well, if I could just, you know, you kind of uh, have to tie yourself to the mast a little bit um, to keep from going after it. But Venus retrograde, um, if you're new to astrology, Venus retrograde is like Mercury retrograde, but with Venus. It's an optical illusion where it seems like Venus is going backward in her orbit. It takes 40 days and 40 nights, um, which is where that kind of uh, play comes from. Um, Venus retrograde, we use the metaphor of Inanna Ishtar uh, from the Babylonian myth a lot. Um, so... Venus is obviously associated with Ishtar, who is believed to sort of inhabit Venus as an energy. Um, and, you know, Venus is the morning and the evening star. So when Venus is retrograde, she's sort of taking on that evening star form instead of the sort of like idealized lover where everything is perfectly lit. She goes down into the shadows um, and has to explore the darker aspects of relationships, of beauty, um, of the way that you express yourself to others. Um, and in Gemini, I think more than usual, this is going to have to do with communication styles. Um, and also learning, like it, it's not necessarily a cop out to say that like everything in astrology is a learning experience, but with this, that is particularly true. You know, Gemini is the eternal student. And so I feel like with Venus retrograde, the best way to get through it and the best way to sort of get through the rubble of whatever this pandemic has brought us is to go at it as a student, right? Like observe it, study it, analyze it. Um, don't, whatever you do, don't romanticize things. And I think you'll be fine. Like, I think you'll find that this is, Venus retrograde can also be a good reset point for artists and writers and creators to um, sort of, yeah, hit the refresh button on whatever you have in the queue. Um, you might come back to a piece of work you were working on and say, oh, I get it. Like, this is how it needs to change. Um, I'm going to make that happen. Um, you know, it could be, again, looking at a job or relationship that you have and seeing how incongruous it is with the way things are now and saying, you know what, this is not okay. I have to um, step my game up and make things better. Um, but all in all, the siren song, it's not going to last forever. And I think for those early summer months, late spring, early summer months, um, it can be a positive thing if you're willing to, you know, do Ishtar's descent and sort of strip yourself of, you know, whatever illusions you may have had about the way things were. Those are going to go away. You have to let them go. Again, the theme of this year, even with the Saturn and Pluto, seems to be like letting go of what you thought things were going to be because it's clear now that it's not going to be that way anymore. So best to get on with the new, and I think that you'll be rewarded for doing that. So again, Venus Retrograde can be fun if you let it. Put on extra dark lipstick or something. It'll help. Um, last thing about the everything in Gemini uh, as the year goes on. Um, so we're going to have eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius. We're wrapping up the eclipse cycle of Cancer and Capricorn. 
Um, and we're starting eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius. So on June 5th, there's a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. Um, on November 30th, there's a lunar eclipse in Gemini. And then on December 14th, there's a solar eclipse in Sagittarius. Um, this is intriguing because Sagittarius, um, being on the same axis as Gemini, is sort of like the other side of a coin. Um, and it has a lot to do with travel as well, except for that's travel on, on an international or a wider scale. Um, I think we're going to be, this has a lot to do with expansion and a reach and how we talk to people across audiences, right? Like I, I've noticed that uh, as a creator, it's been wild to see the world just get flooded with so many new, like everyone's doing an Instagram live. Everyone's doing something new on Twitter. Everyone's doing this. And I'm honestly all for it because whatever we can put out into the universe to make people feel good again um, and help people have connection while we're all super isolated, I'm all about it. But I think that's going to lead us to finding new, like media is going to have to change to catch up. Um, but you know, well, we'll see what happens. I'm a huge fan of TikTok. I don't think I would ever get on TikTok, but I'm curious to see how that may or may not grow in the new, uh, the new world. So let's see what else we have going on. I was asked, someone asked me, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? My answer is yes, definitely. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think that we're going to have a little bit more cleanup time before we get there. So Saturn just moved into Aquarius as we're recording this. Um, and there hasn't been much planetary energy there for a long time. And I think that's going to feel really good. It's going to help us get outside the box and find creative solutions to deal with these things that have happened. Um, it's going to help us not be so tied to the past and hopefully move forward at a pretty rapid pace to, pace to address this um, massive you know, global crisis. Um, but um, Saturn is going to go back for a while. So Saturn back into Capricorn from July 1st to December 17th is like the cosmic cleanup crew, right? Like I think, I think it'll be easier than it was before because whenever you get the second pass of a transit, it's easier because you're not blindsided and you know what to expect. Um, but yeah, Saturn back into Capricorn is kind of like, it's unfinished business. Like you get a little preview of, okay, this is a taste of where things are going and what you can achieve. But first during the, the summer on through to the winter, um, you gotta tie up your loose ends. You have to, um, make your amends and, and make things work. So I think, um, I, I hope at least that on a global scale and, and a domestic scale, um, we'll see Saturn in back into Capricorn, um, you know, sort out some of the craziness that's occurred. I shouldn't say craziness. That's not um, what I mean. It's not appropriate. Some of the difficult things that have occurred. Um, but what I'm really, really looking forward to is Jupiter into Aquarius on December 19th. That is major. Um, Jupiter, uh, you know, Jupiter is not a panacea necessarily, but I think in Aquarius, it's going to help us expand our vision on a global scale and just help us to see improvements and innovations that haven't been seen for a very long time. Um, so Aquarius rules groups and friendship. Um, so again, I think that's going to help us heal some of the 
you know, whatever wounding we may have from like not seeing anybody, like I think that's going to help us um, get our fix of, of seeing folks and feeling connected again. Um, Aquarius also rules technology and innovation, uh, not innovation, aviation specifically. Um, so I'm very curious to see how Jupiter and Aquarius helps uh, the airline industry and travelers adapt um, to what's happened. Um, Aquarius is humanitarian efforts. So Lord knows that um, we we need more and more people to be, you know, connecting what supplies they have with hospitals. We need uh, to be helping the people that are most affected by this, people who don't have any play, any, they don't have a shelter to shelter in place, right? Um, what I'm hoping is that Jupiter into Aquarius will extend a very generous helping hand because Jupiter is generosity and he's a wonderful host um, to those people that are most vulnerable and need it. Um, Aquarius is also revolution and I I don't know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not one of the people who like has a t-shirt that's like oh my gosh we should start a revolution because I have respect for what that word means um, but with any luck I think that Jupiter into Aquarius will help us change the calcified structures that so sorely need changing. Um, and I think that that is going to happen um, at the Great Conjunction on December 21st, which is also the solstice. So it's another one of those days that's, um, you know, sort of combined with the energy of, um, you know, a day of power to make it even even more overwhelming good, I hope, with any luck, right? Um, so a great conjunction, for those who aren't aware, is when Jupiter and Saturn link up. Um, they do roughly correspond to election years, though not entirely. No, it doesn't mean the president's going to get assassinated, though that has happened like a couple times before. Um, I think the better thing to do is just to meditate on the energy of what it means when Jupiter and Saturn align. So I wrote about this for Allure, um, and I will put it into the show notes for those who want to read it. Um, so Jupiter and Saturn are both associated with authority and kings and ruling, right? But they have a very different leadership style. Um, Jupiter is very, uh, like I said, he's very generous. He's a little more laissez-faire. He's like, yeah, let's all get together and have a party. I'll share everything I have with you. Um, whereas Saturn is the opposite. Saturn is quite severe and structured and, um, you know, res the, the responsible one, but also kind of the wet blanket one. So when you put them together, um, it makes sense that they, they have to meet in the middle somewhere and it's kind of the, on a global scale, the structure, it's a reshuffling of the deck, right? Um, with respect to leadership everywhere. I'm really curious to see how uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle fare with all of this because I, um, I have a feeling something might break with that. I mean, obviously we have the American election, but that's a totally different, um, podcast for another day. Um. But I think that the Great Conjunction overall is really powerful and useful energy to try to tap into. So uh, I think I've seen somewhere it referred to as a kingmaker. Um, and I think applying that to your own life, it's like looking at the house where that is occurring for you. Like that's where you can kind of 
I don't know, do a Napoleon and like crown yourself, right? Like step into your own authority, embrace leadership there and just step step up, step forward and do what needs to be done and and hopefully reap some pretty great rewards from it. You know, it's something that could benefit you for many, many years to come because you have the um, the generosity of Jupiter paired with the longevity of Saturn. So I'm really excited for that. So if y'all are looking for a light at the end of the tunnel, I think the great conjunction on December 21st and, you know, Jupiter into Aquarius is going to really help. And then looking forward into 2021, obviously I'm a fan of Saturn square Uranus and think it's going to be good for everybody. Um, obviously squares are difficult, but overall I would take a re-release of the matrix any day. Okay, so last thing is how can we use astrology to heal from all of this? Like, what is our astrological to-do list now that everything has changed, right? Um, what do we look to in our charts to um, figure out where to go? How do we navigate? So... For the to-do list, the first thing I want to say is stay home. Tell your friends and family to stay home so that we can get this thing under control. Everyone can do their part. And please, please do your part. Stay home. Protect your loved ones and our loved ones and all of our community. Um, secondly, don't expect things to go back to the way they were before. Don't expect things to do, I'm doing air quotes, return to normal. Because I don't think that they're going to return to normal. Um, all signs point to that not being a thing. I think that things will go back to some semblance of regular. But I think after this experience, we won't ever really feel like things are, you know, you can't unlearn what you've learned. You can't put it back in the box, right? So try to embrace moving forward with this. Everything is information. This is knowledge. And you can move forward with the knowledge that you are strong and you can get through this. You and your loved ones are going to get through this. And we're going to use all this Aquarius energy to build a new and brighter future. Um, astrologically, the first place I would look in your chart for some advice is your IC. So the IC is the very lowest point on the chart. It's going to be opposite your midheaven. If you pull your chart up, you can look at the degree of your midheaven and just the sign opposite that. That's how you find it. Or you'll see it at the little chart at the bottom. Um, so it's the cusp of the fourth house, which is associated with home, right? And home, not just in the sense of the physical place, um, but home as in what makes you feel safe and secure and stable. Um, that's something that we all could use a little bit more of. So depending on what you have there, um, look at the sign um, and also look and see if you have any planets uh, aspecting it as well. Um, that Or plans it's transiting it too might change what you want in this moment out of your home. Um, that is your North Star. It can help you uh, figure out it, a way to make things feel good, right? And, and who doesn't want to feel good? Um, I tweeted about this like a week or so ago and it went crazy viral. Um, I did not expect it, um, but I think people are just wanting to find something um, to make us all, uh, you know, we want to have 
a way to move forward. And this is a very concrete way to move forward. So I'll use myself as an example. Um, I have my IC uh, in Pisces and exactly conjunct my Mars. So my house is sort of set up to be a sanctuary. I have lots of magical um, items and little altars and candles everywhere. Um, and I also, I do uh, work out at home. I have home gym equipment and that's kind of been keeping me sane. Um, away from the I lip synced all of Hamilton level of quarantine that I've currently reached. It's fine. Um, whereas, you know, my husband has um, Aries, I see conjunct Jupiter, um, which is interesting. You know, we share that Martian wanting to work out in the home and have a very energetic coming and going. So it's been a little challenging. Um, and then with Jupiter, he's very much a, an avid reader of history. And so that's, that's something that he could do. Um, another thing in your chart that I would recommend that you look at is your 12th house. Um, the 12th house is isolation. Um, so if we're all self-isolating, that's a pretty obvious thing to look for. Um, my 12th house is Scorpio. I have my son and Pluto there. Um, I've actually found the self-isolation kind of intense, probably because Pluto's and sun and Scorpio, it's like a little bit intense. Um, but I've been sort of getting through it by doing a lot of occult study. Like this has basically been a weird like monastic retreat where I've just delved into so many weird occult rabbit holes and done so much research. Yeah, there's the bonus episode on uh, the Bad Astrologist Patreon right now, um, Asteroid Magic, where I talked about my research that I've been doing for years about asteroids that have a link to magical practitioners and how you can put them in your chart and learn more about how they may deepen your spiritual practice. So that's pretty cool. Look at your 12th house. Um, and then beyond that, uh, as far as transits, I would say know what part of your chart has Capricorn. Um, know the house and know if you have any planets there. And just if you haven't already started studying um, that and figuring out what lesson the Saturn-Pluto situation has for you. I think you already know it. You've already started to experience it, but just validating it for yourself, coming back to it. Just, you know, Pluto is the subconscious, and I think sometimes we really do need to pull the threads of that tapestry and go deeper and deeper with it. Um, that will help you. And then know where Aquarius is in your chart and see that as kind of like, the new era like what are you becoming where are you going um i also want to add this wasn't on my list but it should have been know where gemini is in your chart because if that's where we're moving towards and i think it very much is um know where the gemini sagittarius axis is in your chart and especially with gemini that's the north node the north node is what you should strive for it's the best you can do so if you're trying to make the most of this, which, you know, I've been telling everyone, I feel like uh, all artists and creatives who are working from home right now have so much pressure to, like, invent the laws of physics or write King Lear, but you don't have to do that. I, the, the people who did that, I'm not sure that they sat down and said, I'm going to write this great, seminal, important work. You just have to be yourself. You just have to do the work. And... 
with the, the North Node in Gemini, knowing where Gemini is in your chart can show you where you need to do the work. Um, yeah, that's that. That's everything that I have for you. I've been talking for a long time and I, I truly hope that it helped you in some way. I, this has been very scary, but I care so deeply about each and every one of you. If you have any questions at all um, about anything uh, astrological related or just questions, feel free to reach out to badastrologers at gmail.com. Um, if you have any topics you'd like to hear discussed on this podcast in the future, email me there too. Um, and as always, to help this podcast continue to be a thing, I would love for you to head over to patreon.com slash badastro right now and contribute if you, if you can, if you have the resources. Um, I'm definitely doing my best to make it worth your while here. Um, in the next week, we'll have forecasts, horoscopes, um, we have a new bonus episode going out, um, and we'll have the Q&A video for the Juno Queen of the Heavens tier folks. So yeah, we keep it interesting. It's a real community of, of mystics and seekers and it's growing all the time. And uh, I just, uh, I, I love everybody that's joined. So uh, come be a part of it. I, I think it would be uh, fun to have you. That's it. I hope you have a wonderful day, evening, whatever. And thank you so much for listening to Bad Astrologers.